Chapter 8 of What the Boys Did Over There by Henry Fox. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Two Years in the Ypres Salient. As told by Private Albert Franklin Edwards, Number 6857, First Battalion, First Brigade, First Division, Canadian Infantry. Editor's Note. These were the first Canadians to go overseas in the Great War. H.L.F. I was born in Canada, but had lived virtually all my life in the United States. I thought war was coming and returned to Canada to be ready to do my bit when the time arrived. And I was just in time, arriving in Toronto on August 3, 1914. On August 4, 1914, I was at dinner with seven other boys when the word came that war was declared and the whole eight of us determined to get in it without delay. So on the next day, August 5th, we enlisted in the Canadian Dragoons. After two weeks in the Dragoons, I was transferred to the infantry went into training at Toronto, and afterward at Valcartier, which occupied the next two months. One Sunday morning we were called for parade and thought we were going to church, but were notified we had to pack up for overseas service. We went to Montreal, where we took a boat down the St. Lawrence to Halifax. We there joined the convoy consisting of 33,000 men of the artillery and infantry. We sailed for England on October 22, 1914, and as nearly as I can remember, took about 16 days to make the trip to Plymouth. Though slow, the voyage was without incident worthy of mention. We were, for some unknown reason, held five days in Plymouth Harbor before disembarking, and then they hustled us off to the training camp on Salisbury Plains, where we had a miserable existence until February 1915. At Salisbury, we drilled in mud and water that was at times waist-deep, caused by the continuous rains and floods. It sure was fine training for the Flanders mud that we were to encounter later. The storms were so severe at times that tents and their contents were washed away. As a result, an epidemic of spinal meningitis hit the camp, and of the 33,000 who arrived at Salisbury, 4,400 were stricken with this disease, only a few of whom recovered. While at Salisbury, I was granted my first leave and started for London, together with my pal, a boy named Fraser, who also had leave. We had three days' absence from camp coming to us, and they were some three days. We arrived in London at 5.15 p.m. and, in accord with English custom, had tea at once in the corner house Piccadilly, where many soldiers congregated. At the corner house we received 61 invitations to the theater and dinner for the next day. 
that night we attended the princess theater where as we entered the orchestra played the canadian anthem the maple leaf forever the audience cheered and we were forced to make a speech you see we were the first canadians the english people had seen who had come to do their bit that night i lost track of fraser after three wonderful days i returned to camp as my leave had expired fraser was not on the train with me and as a matter of fact did not arrive until twenty-four hours later he was called before the colonel for overstaying his leave and on being questioned told the colonel that just as he arrived at the railroad station a band started playing god save the king and he had to stand at attention so long that he missed the train he was excused and returned to duty but they do say there was a suspicious twinkle in the colonel's eye as he dismissed him i sometimes wish i had fraser's powers of quick invention on february third we left salisbury encampment en route for france landing at st lazare thence by train to hosbrook and st omer where the fever laid me up in the hospital for about ten days i joined the battalion again at armentieres where we remained a few days and then went forward to ypres on april twenty two nineteen fifteen we went into battle at ypres and for the first time in history were called upon to meet a gas attack by the germans editor's note this was the first time this inhuman method of warfare was used by a supposedly civilized nation h l f at first we thought the gas we saw coming toward us was a bank of fog and it gave us no anxiety it was at four thirty p m that the huns turned the gas on us and i was fortunate to be in the first battalion at a point where the gas was not so thick the thickest part of the gas swept over the eighth tenth eleventh thirteenth fourteenth fifteenth and sixteenth battalions eighty-five per cent of the men who met this attack were more or less severely gassed at points the gas was so severe that it turned the brass buttons on the tunics of the men green some of the men killed by gas fell but some remained standing even in death so swift was its action our artillery although short of ammunition was our main support in this action had the germans forced a passage here the roads to paris calais and the english coast would have been virtually open there were seventy-two thousand germans opposed to thirteen thousand canadian infantry in this action but the boys from canada held fast the next day april twenty-third a small fragment of shrapnel in my right hand sent me to the hospital in boulogne fine treatment by the american doctors and nurses there soon had me in shape again and i was returned to the line through the canadian base at le havre thence i went through festabert to givenchy where the old first battalion went into battle with nine hundred nineteen men and six hours later over six hundred had made the great sacrifice
minor casualties left us only 137 men able to answer roll call and several of these had to go to the hospital on account of wounds received here the first week of july we went to plugstert which we called home for a long time we called plugstert home because it was so peaceful the germans dared not shell us as we were so close to their trenches that they were afraid of hitting their own men the shell craters through which our trenches ran were only thirteen yards from the trenches of the enemy and we could hear the saxons who opposed us singing songs in english which they all seemed to speak fluently one night i was on patrol when our party passed german patrol not five yards distant neither side dared fire for fear of starting the machine-gun fire one of the saxons called out hello canuke how's quebec winnipeg and vancouver evidently he had been in quebec as he spoke of the st regis hotel at plugstert the british had started a sap forty-eight feet deep where a tunnel with twenty-five galleries running off from it undermined the town it took two years to build and was planted with one hundred thousand tons of high explosive dynamite when it was exploded it blew up the entire town and also blew sixty-one thousand huns hell west and crooked this was the only way to take the position as the elaborate trench system of the germans was practically impregnable it was at plugstert that the huns got our goat by showing the wearing apparel of belgian girls on the points of their bayonets after exploding the mine we explored the german trenches and found most wonderful underground living quarters for the troops fitted with every modern convenience we remained here three and a half months and then were moved to Kemmel to the C4 trenches where we spent the winter. Here I was taken sick and sent to the hospital at Bailieu and returned to duty again at Cambrai and thence went to St. Quentin. Remained at St. Quentin until September 17th when I had a piece of shrapnel lodged in my arm and was burned by a shell while trying to dig out a comrade in a similar predicament except that he died before we got him out i was buried but conscious for four hours and twenty minutes and i thought of every event of my life in that time when finally rescued the fresh air and reaction were too much for me and i lost consciousness which i did not regain until i was in england in the duchess of connaught's hospital I had been sent there by way of Le Havre and remained six months in bed in a plaster cast. I was then returned to a hospital ship and taken to St. John, New Brunswick, where I received electrical and massage treatment. From St. John, I went to the convalescent hospital at Fredericton, N.B., and was discharged on August 19, 1918. End of chapter 8